Our scripture reading today comes from Hebrews. We read from Hebrews last week, and uh, we continue as we work uh, through the lectionary on our way to Advent. And for us as a community, as we make our way towards um, not just Advent, but baptisms that are, we're going to celebrate on that first Sunday of Advent at the end of November. And so last week we talked a lot about Jesus entering the sanctuary. And if you've got a worship guide, I included an earlier section of this passage. Um, so uh, if you've got a printed handout, it starts in verse 11, and you can really read what seems like our last week's text. It uh, repeats a lot of the same themes, a lot of the same things about Christ going into the sanctuary. And today we're going to reflect on how we are called into the sanctuary. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 19 uh, of Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word of the Lord. Now, I was thinking about this text and what is it to approach God, and, and it's going to start with talking about confidence to approach God. And I was thinking about for, for our folks that are getting baptized, for some people that's really scary. It's I'm going in front of people, I'm making this profession of, of my faith, and, and some of us don't like the spotlight, and uh, I don't, I'm worried. And, and there's a lot of ways in which churches have also invited people of like, whether it's kind of the traditional altar calls or whatever, of like, do I want people to see me? And there's that fear. And so how many times do we actually like walk confidently into the sanctuary of God. And so this text kind of takes it for like as an assumption that since Jesus has come, of course, now we confidently enter into the presence of God. Uh, but I, I want to note that for many of us, we probably don't always feel confidently. And I was reflecting on what are some times where we really struggle to show up and walk up to somebody? We don't have that courage. And I was taken back to uh, a high school trip our basketball team uh, went to so go see a Christian concert. There was a Christian worship concert that was going on, and I went to a Christian school. And so our basketball team went, and and we went to watch all these different people that were that were singing. And Rebecca St. James gets up there to sing, and uh, she was, you know, a beautiful uh, lady, and, and she's singing. And one of the assistant coaches says, "I'm going to marry her." which, of course, all the team really enjoyed and wanted to then kind of rib him about throughout the night. But, you know, he's just in awe of this person. And it's it just like, you know, that, like, that crush, you know. And, and we've all experienced those kinds of feelings of that person. You're like, like you're just taken aback. And, and you're like, I, I see the value of this person. I see how, how, how amazing they are. And then what happens is, we see our own value and it starts shrinking. And that's why it gets so hard to walk up to that person after you've had that experience. You start, your legs don't work the same, your hands don't work the same, you fumble over your words. 
And so our team was, was fortunate enough that one of the other assistant coaches was good friends with Michael Tate, one of the members of DC Talk. And so we got to go backstage after the show. And we're back there, and there's Rebecca St. James. And you know all the team's like, okay, what, do, what are you going to do? And that coach was getting nowhere near her. You know, not anywhere near the same area to talk to, to talk to her. And it's just that fear of like, I am nothing. And some of us take that to God of like, we recognize God is so great, so big, so powerful, knows so much. Who am I to walk up to God? Like, who am I? Like that God would, would care anything about me, would, would be mindful of me, would, would be interested in my joys or pains. And we have this fear, and it was one of the driving forces of, of a major change in, in the church world. Uh, Martin Luther was famously like driven by this fear of God, and like, where do I stand with God? And so it like reshaped a lot of the churches, this, this fear. And so what is it to have some confidence to actually be able to approach God, to be able to approach each other, where you're confident that you actually do have value, you actually do have something of worth, and this text says that because of Jesus, we know, we have confidence to walk up, to enter the sanctuary of God. And I think there's something about Jesus that shows that God values us, right? That, that God would, would become human, would be incarnate, would walk, would care about the everyday life of everyday people, would walk around, care about those with leprosy, care about the rich, the poor, the religious, the non-religious, and we see in Jesus that God cares about each of us. And so there's a confidence that emerges from watching Jesus and from what Jesus does that hopefully instills something in us. And so this text assumes we're on that page, okay? So I hope that if you're not on there, that you might reflect on Jesus, you might reflect on the confidence to show up to God. Uh, but this text is going to invite us saying, okay, if we know we have that confidence, here's how you should approach the sanctuary. Here's how we approach God together. And so it's got three ways that it's going to invite us to approach the sanctuary. And so I'm going to read that first way again. So in verse 19 and following, it goes into in verse 21. Let us approach with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, as is the case in Hebrews, there's a lot of language that kind of feels foreign, and you're like, wait, what on earth was that talking about? Uh, you got sprinkling and conscious and hearts and bodies and, and pure water. Um, but I think that there's something really important to starting by saying, let's approach God with a true heart. Uh, and it's language around what that heart looks like involved a conscience and a body. Our minds, our spirits, our whole selves, and I think it's meant to kind of echo something that the Hebrew writer quoted in a couple, a couple paragraphs earlier, which was a quote from Jeremiah, that there would be a new covenant one day, and that law would be written on your hearts and your minds. It wouldn't have to be external to you. It would be written inside of you. And so when I think about that Jeremiah quote, uh, it's a time when Israel is going off into exile. They're cut off from their land, from their temple, from their promised land, and they're they're saying, how do I know that I follow God in this foreign land? And Jeremiah is saying, hey, God has plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and that there's a new covenant, a renewal of God's agreement with you. 
God has kind of made a marriage covenant with you. You know, God has entered into this relationship with the people of Israel, and he said, here's what you do to follow my covenant, and here's what I will do. Well, when you know you messed it up, you're a little bit scared about that relationship. And so Jeremiah says, don't worry, the, the laws won't just be external to you. Your own hearts, your own spirits will have those teachings with it. Your minds, you won't have to read it, you're like, you'll remember it. Your heart will live it out. And so we don't become renewed just by external things. We have to be renewed from the inside out. And so the Hebrews author says we need to approach God with a true heart, with full assurance of faith. And so our inside matters. And I was thinking, what does, what does it mean to have a, a true heart uh, with confidence and faith, full assurance of faith? And like, why does love and conscience need to go hand in hand? And I was thinking about, you know, if you were to say that you love someone, how well can you say that this is true when you say, I love you, but I also need to read through your text messages while you're not looking. I love you, but I'm going to read those direct messages on Facebook. I, I love you, but I'm going to install a tracker app on your phone. Like, if you don't have trust, the love in that relationship is falling apart. That there's something about having a true heart when you come that comes with faith, with trust, with assurance. And so what is it to approach God where we not only say that we love God, but inside our hearts, inside our minds, we are renewing ourselves that we internally want to be turned towards God and that we have a trust in that relationship. So we trust God and we trust God because God is trustworthy but we show up with a pure heart, hopefully, trusting. And so one of the first questions for us is, if you look at your heart, you look at your conscience, how well are you coming with a pure heart before God? And that's a, that's a never-ending prayer question. God, look at my heart, look at my conscience. How well am I trusting you? How well am I living after your ways, your teachings today? And so how well are we approaching with a true heart. He has a second entreaty for us of, hey, show up with a true heart. He goes on, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. So we're supposed to approach with a true heart, but we're also supposed to approach holding fast to the confession of hope. Now, that one's hard. The first one was hard too. But there's a lot of reasons why we find it easy to be kind of naysayers, to be like predicting doomsday, to have all sorts of negative expectations, think things are going to fall short, fall apart. But what is it to hold fast to the confession of hope? What is it in this world to hold fast to hope? And that's a beautiful thing to invite us into. And I was thinking of like the phrases that people throw out. You've probably heard someone say, to hell in a handbasket. Uh, and it's an interesting phrase. I was reading the New York Times had a, like a, a historical study of like, where on earth did this phrase come from? And there, there was at some point in time in the early 1900s a to heaven in a handbasket phrase, and same kind of alliteration. And, and for that phrase, it was this idea that people who did jobs that nobody else wanted to do, you did the like, oh, you did the hard work, uh, and like, oh, you're going right to heaven in a handbasket. Like, you're going to get your reward. It's coming fast. Isn't this wonderful? Well, the, the flip side of that phrase then emerges, to hell in a handbasket. And that became about someone or something that was so quickly just 
deteriorating. And so we, th- we talk about society or people or companies or all sorts of things of that they went to hell in a handbasket. And you might be like me and wonder, like, well, why on earth are we talking about handbaskets? <laughs> right? Like, what's that all about? But it was the idea of that something is portable. It's easy to carry. It's lightweight. It can move from place to place. And so what is to be able to be whisked away? Not have any stability, no sturdiness? And in this text, it's inviting us to hold fast to the confession of hope. And I think it reminds me of that, the, the parable about that solid ground versus the building on a sand. You know, of like, what is it to have stability to hold on to hope and to keep confessing it, even when it feels like it, how is this ever going to happen? Keep confessing hope. Keep confessing it. Hold on tight to it. Don't be blown around by whatever things might be going on here and now. And so he's saying, all right, when you enter into the sanctuary, have a true heart, hold fast to hope. And he's got one more thing that he's going to invite us into today. And this is a great snippet to learn. So many times we quote scripture out of context, and you could really do something interesting here if you were to just end your quote really too soon. He says, let us consider how to provoke one another. Now, if you stopped there, that would be quite an interesting text of let's just provoke one another. Uh, But we are supposed to provoke one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And so I was just thinking, like, what on earth is it to provoke one another to good, to love, to good deeds? And what a beautiful image that is, because we are often provoked to all sorts of other things. I mean, how often are we provoked to fear, provoked to anger, provoked to hate, provoked to jealousy? And it's a good thing to keep in mind of, like, investigate your life and your prayer time of, God, what's provoking me to bad things? What's provoking me to harmful things, to to toxic things? And so if there's something that you recognize is always provoking you to fear, always provoking you to anger and to hate, like, why are we doing that to ourselves? Stop it. <laughs> and you know, like, there's like, man, every time I watch this show, I listen to this program, I get out of that feeling a little bit more angry. I'm getting out of it a little bit more fearful. Well, stop. Just, just don't put yourself around things that create more anger, more, more hate, more fear. But instead, like, what is it to be a community that says we are going to provoke one another to love and to good deeds? And I, I couldn't help but think, uh, you might have seen on Facebook, for those who are, who, uh, are Facebook friends with me, uh, we had uh, a special day. I went and picked up my daughter, and she had her vaccine appointment. And so uh, we went to a new place, and you know, we've got nurses set up. And she, of course, got a little bit scared. You know, it's needles, and it's, it's going to, how much, how much is that going to hurt? And, and there's a little bit of that, uh, the part of your brain that takes over that doesn't make rational decisions anymore. It's just living out of fear. And so we spent a lot of time trying to get out of that place and into a different place. And something that was really beautiful was how many random people walked up and said, and walked up to her, little kids, adults, and said, you're going to be just fine. Do you want to see? I'm about to get my shot. Do you want to watch me take it? Will that make you feel better? Or, hey, do you want to see my Band-Aid? It really didn't hurt that bad. You know, just talking her through it. Of It's okay. You're not alone. 
uh, of the military man who came in and took his jacket off to show her his uh, tattoo sleeve of superheroes. Everything to encourage her. And like, what is it in life if we just had a steady stream of people coming through saying, it's okay, you're safe. Safe to love, safe to do, to do, the, do things differently, to, to live well, to do good things for each other, not, not to harm people, not to be afraid of people, but just a steady stream of people provoking you to do something good. And how beautiful of an image that would be. And so, another thing to be in prayer about. What's provoking me to harm, to hurt, to fear? And what's provoking me to, to live well, to love, to do good? What is it to follow that way of life? Because uh, it's something that gets lost in this text that it keeps saying, let us consider. And he's talking to, to brothers and sisters. He's talking to the friends of the church. He's talking to a group of people. That's not just about how you individually show up. But how does the community show up? Because sometimes I show up and maybe I'm not hopeful. But maybe the community can bring, bring that hopefulness. Maybe the community can provoke me to love when I don't feel it myself. And so part of doing that is not neglecting each other. So in this text, hey, don't neglect to, to be with each other, to meet with each other. That's something about being around each other. We might inspire each other to love a little bit better, to do a little bit more for God, to, to trust in who God is, to trust in what God's hope is for us, and that there's a value in your presence and everybody's presence. And so this text invites us to walk in a different way of life, approaching God, uh, approaching God together. And so when I think about this text, I, I can't help but think about, you know, we've, we, we keep talking to you about how excited we are about Wednesday nights with our cafe, and that it's a, it's a community of folks that have the opportunity to see something about God, and it's not explicitly, like we're not always just talking God language out loud, but they get to see a place where people are loved, a place where, where good things are happening and that that might bring hope and that it might bring confidence. It might bring a new way of seeing. I think about what is it to show up uh, to a meal with a true heart, with a, with a clean conscience? What is it not to like think badly about someone, to expect the worst in someone, but that everybody you see, you think about uh, how God might use that person, God might speak through that person, and it's all opportunities. Uh, that there's reasons to hope, there's, there's reasons to see love at work. And I think about so often in life, we, we, when we do comparison games, we either see the person that we are afraid of because I, I don't feel like I'm good enough for them, or we think we're too good for somebody. But instead of looking down on people, what is it to look up with people and to look up to God and to inspire people to a better way of life? And so we're excited about that, and I, I'm excited about the way that this can live, be lived out as a church? Like, what is it to hold on to a true heart, to assurance of, of hope, and to inspiring one another, to provoking one another, to love and to good things? And so I'm, I love this text. I, I love that it speaks to a kind of community that I think that people want to be a part of. And it's one that continually, I think, speaks to us. Let us have confidence. Let us have true hearts. Let us hold fast to the confession of hope and let us provoke one another to love. And so I just encourage you to, to pray not only right now in just a second, but also throughout this week. How do I approach everybody in my life? How do I approach God with that kind of approach?
Lord, we ask that you might move with us, that you might give us legs to stand, you might give us spirits that rest in your presence. Lord, for all who feel unworthy, for all who feel small, we ask that you might give us eyes like yours. Lord, let us experience your love, your heart, where we recognize that that every person here Every person matters, that every person is loved, and has a future that you have for them. Lord, I ask that you would renew us, that our, our cleaning would not just be external, but would be internal, that you might cleanse our hearts, our minds, our spirits, that everywhere we go, we, we think with your mind. Lord, I ask that you would Make us to have a spirit of hope because you are faithful. Lord, help us to, to rest in your hope and not to flee from your guidance. And Lord, we ask that you would just help us to, uh, to love even more. We know that uh, love is the greatest commandment and we ask that we would not fail to love ourselves our neighbors, or you, that you might help us to love even greater, and that you might inspire us to continue to extend that love even further. And Lord, we ask that you would just be with this community, be with each of us who are worshiping. Lord, help us to be the kind of people that inspire others to love, inspire others to seek after you. Lord, let us rest in your presence. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.